Not going to be a pretty sight. <laughs> I have two things against me, short legs and I'm white. We've had to apologize to our grandkids many times that they were raised with us and they never learned to dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Happy New Year. Did you have a good New Year? Good, because it's only just started. It's going to be good all year. Isn't that right? Our best days are ahead of us. And the reason our best days are ahead of us, the best days are always ahead of you. They're never behind you. They're always ahead of you because you've never been there before. And tomorrow, you grow in faith from where you're at today. So if you grow in faith, you attach more to grace. So therefore, tomorrow is better than today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, it's 2024. Who can believe it? Wasn't it just Y2K? Didn't we just pass Y2K? I mean, come on. Jeez. But God has given us uh, the three R's for 2024 to revisit, to refresh, and to refire. Revisit, refresh, and refire. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the honor. You alone are worthy to be praised. You're the mighty God. You're the glorious King. You're the everlasting Lord. There is none like you, Lord Jesus. You're the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega. You are dead, but now you're alive forevermore. Thank you, Lord, that you momentarily passed through the realm of death to pay the price for all of us so that we could be free, we could walk in liberty, and we can be delivered. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your kindness, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that it's everlasting, never ending, never fading, never failing, never changing. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that as we come before you to hear your word tonight, that we sit at your feet to be taught of your Holy Spirit, that we open up our ears, open up our hearts to hear what heaven has to say to us today, that we would take hold of these things in our heart and that we will walk in them and that the anointing that's on your word removes the burdens and destroys the yokes that as our eyes are open more and more and more and walking in the revelation of your word, the power of hell is not in any way able to stand against it or to overpower it. I thank you, Lord, that we continue to grow in your divine image, conforming to the image of the Lord Jesus and increase in, in walking in a manner worthy of you and pleasing you in all respects. We bless you and honor you and praise you for these things. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 3. And as you're turning there, I want to tell you about a special surprise we've got coming up. Next Wednesday, just out of the blue, Dr. Dennis Burke is going to be here for Wednesday night service. And he's coming with a message for 2024. Hallelujah. And that'll be a warm-up to when he gets here at the end of, uh, or the beginning of March, I think he's going to be here, the first weekend in March. It's in your announcements. But uh, next week is just a special thing that's come up. So we're excited that he's going to be here. So start setting yourself, getting yourself ready to receive what the Lord is bringing to us. 
and raise up your anticipation level and your expectation level and come ready to connect with the anointing and receive from God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, a lot of people say it's not how you start the race that, that, that matters, but how you end it. Well, how you start matters. You know, my brother used to run track. And in high school, he had an opportunity to run a track meet in Madison Square Garden. And he was on the running blocks, the starting blocks, and ready to go. And the gun went off, and he fell off the starting blocks. So don't tell me it's not how you start that counts. It counts. How you start counts. All right, so let's start the year off right, getting hold of the things of God, ready to move forward in Him. Amen? Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. So remember the three R's are revisit, refresh, and refire. Glory to God. We revisit what we need to revisit. It'll bring a refreshing, and the result of that will be, we'll be refired. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 3, verse 11 through 13, says, While he was, this is about when the man at the gate beautiful got healed. And remember, he went into the temple, leaping and jumping and praising God. And it says, while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so-called portico of Solomon, full of amazement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or piety that we had made him walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. So, you know, he goes on to the whole account of what happened with Jesus and all. But I want you to notice that they said, why do you look at us? You know, we are involved in the work of God. We're involved with our life solely and for the only reason of giving glory to God. He is God most high, and whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever it is, he's the one that should get the glory. Isn't that right? Everything, all the glory goes to God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, and it doesn't matter how much of the word you know and you're able to share with people. Without him, you ain't going to know nothing. So all glory goes to him. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 1, verses 22 to 24. Galatians chapter 1, verses 22 through 24. It says, I was still, this is Paul talking, I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. All right? The people, you know, they didn't need to be told, you know, this is of God. No, they knew that it was God, and they started glorifying God for it. Isn't that right? Well, this was all of Israel. This, this is the people of Israel. Uh, and that was the only God that they honored. They only knew the Most High God. Isn't that right? They didn't always honor God, but if there was a God to be honored, it would be the Most High God, wouldn't it? The God of their fathers, our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now go to Acts chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. 
Acts 17, 22 and 23. And this is when the Apostle Paul was over on Mars Hill. So he says, so Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, and he said, men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the object of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. You know, the world worships a lot of stuff. I mean, they do. They worship creation. They worship angels. They worship a force or a power in the realm of the spirit. They worship the climate. They worship the cosmos. They worship money. And most of all, they worship themselves. Isn't that right? Dot, 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 and all other kinds of things you could add to it. And everyone that worships all those things thinks of themselves as being very spiritual. Well, that's the same thing where Paul said, I observe that you're very religious. Well, that's what you could say about people. You know, and I've had people say to me, you know, I'm very spiritual. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I hear the Twilight Zone music in the background. Uh-huh. And, you know, and you talk to these people and you realize they're goofy. You know, they, they're just goofy. Because if you're really the right kind of spiritual, you would have no problem saying, I believe in Jesus. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Amen. So they were, just like he said, I, I observed that you're very religious. He could say, I observed that you're very spiritual. You're quite a spiritual person, you know. You're just off track. So therefore, they needed to be told about the God Most High. Above all things, God is to be lifted up and glorified in our heart and out of our mouth. Amen. When we share Jesus with others, it should be from life that's in our heart speaking from our spirit, speaking to another person's spirit. Spirit to spirit is speaking, right? Amen. And this is what the Apostle Paul found out as he traveled on his missionary trip. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. No, chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. He says, and when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstrations of the spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Now, when Paul went to Corinth, this is his second missionary trip, okay? And he decided that he's going to no longer speak to man's logic and to their reasoning, like he did in the cities on his first missionary trip and actually the greater part of his second missionary trip. It's only when he got to Corinth, he decided this stuff just isn't going to work. And he's going to no longer debate with people no longer argue with people, not try to reasonably prove to people that Jesus is the Christ. His desire was very simple, that God would be lifted up. Not that Paul was a good orator or that he had the reasoning capabilities to convince others. He decided he's not going to lean on this stuff anymore. He was a very educated person. 
You know, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. There was, there was nobody in the religious uh, field that could really stand to Paul. Isn't that right? So when he says, I'm with you in much fear and trembling, what he means is I'm not leaning to what I know, my reasoning and logic and being able to debate with you over what's real and what isn't real. I'm depending and tr trusting totally on God. And if God don't move, nothing's going to happen. Amen. Amen. That's all, that the Holy, that's all that the Apostle Paul wanted was for the Holy Spirit to be free to move in the midst of the people, that he could touch their hearts and that God would receive all the glory. Amen. Amen. You know, that is really what it's all about, isn't it? That we do what we do, we say what we say, we go where we go, but God gets the glory. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. Acts 20, 24. He says, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Now, we've gone into a whole word study just on that one verse to really find out what the Apostle Paul was actually saying here. But what I want to look at tonight is that he said, I don't consider my life or my soul of any account as being dear to myself, that I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, every one of us has received a ministry. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. We've all received that. Isn't that right? Our purpose on this earth, and our only purpose on this earth, is that we are to advance the kingdom of God, His kind of life, His kind of love, and His kind of faith. There is no other purpose on this earth. That's what we ought to be doing. Isn't that right? Amen. I mean, we have other stuff to do, but it's just like, I'm not just going to Walmart, I'm going for Jesus. I'm going to be around people in Walmart and see if there's something Jesus wants me to do while I'm there. I might be going to work, but I'm going for Jesus, and I'm going to see what he wants me to do while I'm there. I'm going to wherever, but as I'm around people, I want to see if there's anything the Holy Spirit would have me to do to bring influence into people's lives, that God would have the opportunity to touch them. Yes. Amen. And that's the ministry that we've all received, and we never get out of it. That I may finish my course and the ministry which I received. Well, that's what it tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, five, I believe it is. Yeah, chapter five. That we've received the ministry of reconciliation. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not holding their sins against us. I mean, that's very simple, isn't it? God don't hold your sins against you. God was in Christ, reconciled you, did everything that was necessary for you to be reconciled, and holds nothing against you. That's really simple. Takes no debating, takes no reasoning. In fact, it takes no education. All it takes is a saved person knowing that they're delivered. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember when you first got saved? I mean, this was our commitment, wasn't it? 
We gave ourselves to God and to everything God was doing when we first got saved. You couldn't stop talking about them. Can I get an amen? You couldn't stop talking about it. You'd be talking about salvation. You'd be talking about healing. You'd be talking about deliverance. I mean, dear God, you'd pray for anybody. And I don't mean we'll put you on the prayer list. I mean, wherever you're at, whatever's going on, I'll pray with you right now. Remember that? That's how it was when we first got saved. We didn't care what other people thought. We had the truth and we we're going to share it anytime. Now, you might say things like, well, I still don't care what people think. You know, yeah, but are you talking? Are you doing like you used to? Or you just don't care what people think because now you have an attitude? <laughs> no, I mean, you, you tell people about Jesus, you know, you tell, them about, you tell them about healing and they'll tell you you're crazy. You didn't care. You know, Jesus never wasted his time with people that didn't believe. We get so upset. Oh, what do you mean you don't believe? Me, oh, no, 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 let me tell you. They don't want to hear it. Leave them alone. Jesus didn't waste his time with people that didn't want to hear. He just went about his business and those that wanted to hear followed him. He didn't go running after and go, oh, wait a minute, guys, don't walk away. Let me tell you what I really mean by that. No. <laughs> no. And that's the way we were. When we first got saved, we talked to a tree stump. If a squirrel ran in the backyard, we'd get it saved, you know, whatever. You know, you talk to your fish. But I mean, we had a revelation about salvation. We had a revelation about healing. He had a revelation about deliverance. And we were walking in it. And it was happening. And, and we were partaking of those things. And we'd pray with anybody that needed healing. Pray with anybody that needed deliverance. We'd go around looking for somebody that got a devil so we can cast it out. Where is that devil? Right? You know, that time that we had somebody come into our house. And uh, the, the woman was possessed by the devil. And we were like, the devil's coming to our house. Glory to God. We're so excited, you know. <laughs> we were fired up, weren't we? We were fired up. Amen. Well, we can still be fired up. Amen. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 7 and 8. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. To honor God above everything else. To give him his word and his Holy Spirit first place in any kind of undertaking in any realm. Spirit, soul, physical, wherever it might be. And like Paul, he said, we count all things to be lost. Well, what about willing to lose sleep? What about willing to let go of some personal time? or a personal schedule, or personal plans. Everything was lost compared to knowing Christ. 
Isn't that right? You know, I remember one year, and it was our anniversary. And we were on our way out to celebrate our anniversary, and we stopped at somebody's house that we had been ministering to. And we just stopped to see how they were doing. Six o'clock in the morning, we left. Our whole anniversary night was spent at that person's house. Why? Because the anniversary wasn't as important as that person. But what are we willing to give up? What are we willing to let go of? What are we willing to put on the side? You know, it's usually church that gets put on the side for our personal plan. Well, something came up, so now I can't. I know I was going to and I said I would, but now something's come up and I can't. Well, that's backwards. Would you ever do that for church? You had your plans, but now something's come up at church. Would you quit your plan because now something came up at church? See? What are we willing to give? What are we willing to do? See, and what, what did Terry Mize tell us? The biggest reason God don't move anymore among people is because they don't give him the time. They don't give him the, well, I'll give you an hour. Well, maybe he wants an hour and a half. Maybe he wants two hours. Maybe you can't get where you need to be in an hour for him to move. Don't shout me down. Are you with me? The greatest value in life is knowing Christ. Not just knowing of him. Every sinner can pretty much tell you about Jesus. Oh yeah, I know about Jesus. I've heard Jesus. As a sinner, I could have told you that Jesus was a real person. I used to go to a church where he was on the cross all the time. So I could tell you about he got hung on the cross. I could tell you he was born on Christmas. Although he wasn't really. But, you know, we celebrate Christmas. So it doesn't matter. We could tell you about a resurrection. You know? And all the chocolate bunny eggs that we love to eat. <laughs> but we only knew of them. And then when we got saved, we met them. Well, how many of you ever met somebody? But that was really the last time you talked to them. Do you know that person? How many of you know President Biden? You know of him. You know what he looks like. I'm moving the microphone away from there. But you know of him. But you don't know him. You see me all the time in church, but a lot of you don't know me. What's my favorite color? Man colors. See, but you don't know me. You don't know what I think. You think you do. You think you know me because of the way my eyes. No, you don't. Well, I can read your body language. I got body language nobody can read. You know. 
So it's not just knowing of him, but getting to know him. Getting to know him. When I first met Pastor Nid, I knew of her. Especially when I finally realized what she looked like. <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> but I knew of her, really. And even when we got married, I knew of her. But after 50 years, I know her. Do I know everything? Oh, no. In fact, just the other day, I found out what her favorite color orchid is. I didn't know that was her favorite color orchid. And she said, that's my favorite color. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. See, I learned something new. Now, if I'm walking around with my phone like this and doing whatever, and she goes, oh, I like that. I wouldn't have heard anything, and I wouldn't have learned nothing. Oh, so you got to pay attention if you're going to learn something. So that means you can't listen to the live stream while you're doing the laundry and doing the dishes and, you know, eating dinner and, you know, and it's just noise in the background. You got to pay attention. Just like sitting here. You could be on Facebook. I mean, we're on devices now. We don't, we, you don't even barely see anybody bring a Bible. You know, everybody's on their devices. Well, you might be on Facebook. You might be on X. You might be on Instagram, TikTok. You could be anything, messaging people. You could be doing anything. Your phone's on silent, so nobody knows when it's going off. And then you miss what's being said. But bless God. And then we're like, well, I don't know why sister so-and-so is having so many problems. She's in church all the time. Well, sitting in church don't make you a mature Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. You know, you got to pay attention. Give yourself to it. So I learned what a favorite color orchid was. So after 50 years, it's been growing in knowing. It's not just, oh, yeah, I know, I know. Mm, no, no. That's why there's a lot of arguments in marriages, because everybody thinks they know. Okay. I know how she likes her coffee. I do. I know how she likes it. And I've come to know her, so I know what it takes to please her, because I know her. Because you should look to please your spouse. Amen. Amen. When my wife says to me, I'll share an espresso drink with you. We don't drink it exactly the same. So when she says, I'll share it with you, I'll order it the way she likes it. So that she can have some and enjoy it. Yeah, well, what about you? Well, what about me? What am I, a baby? I got to have my way? All right, I know we're stepping on toes here, but I didn't mean to go down this road. This is not a marriage seminar. Because <laughs> here's the deal. I can make an espresso the way I like it anytime I want to. Amen. Well, how about this one? If she says she'll share an espresso drink, but I don't want it the way she likes it, how about if I buy one for her the way she likes it, and I buy one for me the way I like it? How about that? Oh, but now you're spending, oh, there you go. 
And that's the same attitude we have with God sometimes. But it's going to cost me this, so it's going to cost me that. Well, Paul said, I count all things to be, and he said, dung. Are you with me? And I'm saying it very nicely. <laughs> so to please God, we have to grow in knowing him. Now, some people would say, yeah, but the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's true. And you can't have faith without knowing God. Because faith comes by or hearing him. So therefore, you can't have faith without knowing him. And the more you grow in knowing him, the more faith grows. The more you grow in knowing him, the more trust grows. And the more trust grows, the more faith grows. Because I know I can trust. I don't have to lean and worry and think about what's plan B going to be if this don't work. You know, I don't have to do that. If I know him, trust him. Are you with me? Knowing him is to grow in faith. Amen. And in order to do so, we have to honor him above everything else. Above everything else. Say that with me. I honor God, my God, the Most High God, above everything, above all, all things, above anything. I honor my God. Amen. Amen. That's the way we have to look at it and live. Zechariah. Chapter 4. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. See, these things are not things that we need to do on our own. God didn't write things to us and show us things in his word to go, hey, you better get with it and better do all this. He's right there to work with you. He wants his power of his spirit to, to work with us. And he will work with us as we take in the word of God, as we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life. He'll be right there with us. He empowers us that we can do as we need to do and God will do as he said he'll do. Isn't that right? Amen. He wants to empower you. But see, a lot of times we'll take things from the word. And this is why a lot of times things in the word seem so hard, because we're hearing it in the flesh. And our flesh gets like, <clears throat> you know how that flesh is. Well, maybe it's just mine. But, you know, flesh can get like that. And it just, you know, it's like that cat, the, the hair comes up and, and the tail comes up and it's like, don't touch me. You know, and that's the way sometimes we are when we hear the word of God and we're like, don't touch me. Don't touch that area of my life. But that's because we think on our own and we leave God out of the equation. When God actually wants to just move with us, make it easier for us, empower us, make us able to do the things we need to do, overcome what we need to overcome, change what needs to change, and come into a better life that we don't even know on this side of decision. We don't know what kind of a good life is waiting for us. And you have to understand that God's will is what? Good, perfect, and acceptable. So if he's 
saying something from his word and I'm not walking in that, what he's saying is his will. So I know that's good, perfect, and acceptable. And even though I might think this is good, it's nothing compared to what God's good is. And God wants to really make it good. Isn't that right? Amen. So he wants to empower us so that we can do these things. Well, verse 7 then goes on to say, What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain, and he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Amen. So he says, What are you, O great mountain? So what are we facing today? What are the mountains that's standing before us today? What is it before you? Well, what is it before the Lord? What is it before him? Well, it says here that that mountain can become a plain. He even talks about in Isaiah when he talks about the lost and he says that I will turn the mountains into the plains, the rivers into, coast, into coastlands, and uh, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. Now, he doesn't say I'm going to push them in a way they don't know. He said I'll lead them. So if he's going to lead, then somebody has to follow. So it's not going to be an automatic. We have to follow. Okay. He wants to turn the mountains into the plains. Well, we know that we can speak to the mountains. And, it's the, and, it's, and again, you know, this, this, this is what people think. Well, you know, you're, you're talking all this faith stuff. And it's like we, you, like we have the ability and the power to do all of this. You've got no more power in you than Moses' staff had in it. All Moses had was obedience to God to hold out the staff to give God the opportunity to divide the sea. And our speaking to the mountain in faith without any doubt gives God the opportunity to remove it. So what is the mountain that's before us? It can be removed. How? My shouts of grace, grace to it. Amen? Amen. And it's not by opening your mouth and just shouting, grace, grace, grace. That, that's not what it means, okay? What it means is that shouts of grace is shouts of the word of God in faith. Because remember when Israel walked around Jericho and God said that after seven days of marching around and on the seventh day, march around seven times without saying a word, but at the, at the seventh time on the seventh day, you will shout a great shout and the walls will come down. All right. So what was the shout? It was a shout of faith, wasn't it? But what did that faith attach to? Grace, the grace of God that brought the walls down. Faith attaches to grace. By grace are you saved through the avenue of faith. Faith attaches to the grace that caused you to be saved, recreated you and made you a new creature. Isn't that right? Amen. So just like they shouted at the, the walls of Jericho, we can shout at the mountains that we face. Why did the people follow Joshua? Because they knew Joshua. Joshua had been around for a long time. They knew Joshua. They knew the kind of person he was. They knew his integrity and they knew his position before God and as a servant of Moses. So they knew Joshua, Joshua knew God. 
So Joshua says, this is what God's saying. And the people said, well, if that's what you're saying, then that's what we'll do. Because they didn't just know of each other, they knew. Are you with me? And when you know, then you can fully follow. Fully follow. See, when we know God a little bit, we'll follow him a little bit. But when we know God fully, everything's counted as loss. Nothing's important. Nothing's important. Amen. What is grace? Grace is very simply, in its simplest form of definition, is God doing us a favor. That's what grace is. It's God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. This is grace working for us. Now, faith. Faith is not our deserving of grace. Neither is faith an entitlement to grace. Well, I, I believe God, th this is what I should have. You're not entitled, nor deserving. This is why people get all upset when they go, I have faith, but nothing's working. Well, number one, you probably don't have faith. Or if you do, you're unwilling to endure and take the stand. Because that's all part of it. It's all part of the process, isn't it? Or you don't understand faith. You know, I told you that one story about Pastor Nid and I went into that furniture store because we just wanted to look at furniture because we had something and we wanted to find out what it actually cost. And we went into the furniture store and this young man comes up to, to serve us and talk to us. He's a salesperson. And uh, we said, well, we're not really interested in buying. We're just looking. So as we're getting ready to leave, he goes, well, I believe you're coming back and you will buy a dining room set. And I thought to myself, I didn't tell him this, but I thought to myself, you believe it all you want, son. We ain't coming back. <laughs> but you see, that's erroneous faith. Obviously, God didn't tell him anything, didn't show him anything. This is just something he wanted. So because it's what he wants, he believes I have the power to make you come back by declaring, I believe you'll be back. I never went back to that store again for anything. <laughs> In fact, I outlasted the store. The store went out of business, you know. <laughs> and I believe that man found another job. <laughs> Are you with me? Faith is not a deserving of grace, nor is it an entitlement. Grace is unmerited favor. Jesus said, I came to declare the acceptable, favorable times of the Lord. When God wants to do you a favor. Amen. Hallelujah. If somebody said to you, bring me your mortgage book and I will pay it off. What would you do? You'd stay home and go, oh, Jesus, I hope they pay it. Oh, Jesus, I hope they do something here. No, you'd bring them the book. You wouldn't even wait for tomorrow. You wouldn't even wait to eat lunch. You'd be there at their house. <laughs> Grace is unmerited favor. So maybe somebody wants to pay your mortgage off, but they need you to do something. 
bring me your mortgage book or your statement or your bank information, whatever it might be, and I'll pay it off. Well, I don't know why they need that. Why don't you just go pay it off? Maybe they don't know where to go. So if you don't do what you should do, they can't do what they want to do. Faith is the avenue in which we take hold of the favor of God. You can go to a buffet. You didn't cook any of the food. You didn't prepare any of the food. You didn't lay out any of the food. You don't clean the dishes. You don't serve the tables. You don't even spit shine the silverware. Money was your access to partake of all that was prepared for you and free to partake of however much you want. And you know when you go to a buffet, no matter what they charge you, you will eat more. <laughs> Why? Because I'm going to get not only my money's worth, I'm going to get more than my money's worth, more than enough. Right? Well, the word of God is our invitation. Faith is our acceptance of the invitation. And faith is the currency that spends in the kingdom to receive what was freely prepared for us to receive without any merit. That you can just take hold of it because of faith. Amen. Now, some people say things like, well, if somebody's not living right, I mean, they're, they're not just not living right at all. You know, it's not right that they would have faith to, 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 to access that grace. Honey, I guarantee you, if they're not living right, they ain't living in faith. Guarantee you. Now, they might have a lot of stuff that they want, and they have that cliche, I'm believing God, you know, but it's not working. It ain't working. Are you with me? We have to revisit faith in order to attach to God's unmerited favor of grace. Revisit our commitment to grow in faith. How does faith come? By hearing. So how many times a week do we hear? You know, and I guarantee you just in this size crowd, we all have different answers to that. How many times a week do we hear? from the word of God in order to grow in faith. It's time for an awakening. To be energized in the things of God. To be aroused and stirred up in our hearts. To be stimulated and excited about the word of God and the word of faith. Have an invigoration, an infusion from the anointing of God. A refreshing that comes from the presence of God. But you have to start crying out for that awakening. A revival. Time for a revival. It's a renewed attention or renewed interest in the things of God. A renewed attention to his word. A renewed interest in the Holy Spirit and prayer. A renewed interest and attention to service. Serving in the Lord. Assembling together. Breaking bread fellowship, the anointing, a renewed focus, attention, and a renewed interest in being God-inside-minded on a regular, consistent 
daily basis. God in me. God in me. Leads me. Wants to direct me. Wants to guide me. Wants to talk to me. God in me. What do I need to do? God in me. What do I need to say? God in me. It's all about what God in me. And what is God doing? Not what I want to do. Not what I want to say. God in me. What is he doing? What is he saying? But as long as your schedule is more important, as long as your plans are more important, as long as your vacations are more important, as long as your whatever it is you want to do is more important, God inside is just going to sleep on you. And I don't mean that he's going to actually go to sleep. I mean he's just going to be idle, can't do anything. Because we're not paying attention. Amen. God wants to do great things. Great things. He wants to do great things with demonstrations and manifestations of the Spirit. He wants to do it through grace. But he doesn't only want to do it for us. More importantly, he wants to do it through us. You know, prosperity in any area is designed to move through you. And that you are to live on the overflow of what God's doing. You're a mature believer in God. You're not a baby anymore. You're a mature believer in God. The things of God are designed to move through you. And whatever moves through you, you get to live on the overflow of it. You know, this is why it ticks me off about people that know nothing about Brother Copeland. Nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. And they're so upset because he's got a big house. He's got all this stuff. He's got an airplane. He's got, well, how much money do you think he's given away? He's living on the overflow of what he gives away. People that know him knows that there is no bigger giver than Brother Copeland. None. And he just lives on the overflow. But covetous, jealous people will look at the stuff and go, well, I don't believe, I don't know why he has all that. Because you don't know your God. You served God. You fed 35,000 people. You worked, you fed continuously. How many of them fed? How many of them did the feeding? Twelve. How many baskets were left over? Overflow. Overflow. Well, we didn't get as much as they did. You don't need what they had. The overflow was more than enough. Are you with me? That's what it's designed to be. Prosperity in any area. If you're out praying for people for health and believing God for their healing, overflow of health belongs to you. You're believing God and praying for God, praying for people for freedom in their lives, freedom belongs to you. Freely you have received, freely you give, and what you sow, you will reap. In any area. Overflow. 
Romans 13. Verses 9 through 11. Romans 13, 9 through 11. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is all summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the confusing part of this is when he says salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Well, I thought when we believed, we got saved. Well, you only got saved spiritually. But you're a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And salvation is to be the totality of the being. Spirit, soul, and body. Isn't that right? And that totality of salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. It's closer than ever before. For me, I am 42 years closer. And in about another month, it'll be 43 years closer than from when I first believed. There is a readiness that is needed. And what is the readiness? Awaken from sleep. The hour for you to awaken from sleep. Now, he's not talking to sinners. He's talking to believers. Awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. So he's talking to believers when we believe, but now salvation is nearer. So you need to wake up from your sleep. Amen. We know the danger of the times. And we anticipate the soon return of Jesus. So we should be all the more energetic and committed to a right walk with God instead of a sleepwalk with God. Amen. People, you know, people want to just lay back and go, oh, Jesus is coming soon. We don't really have to anymore. No, you ought to be, you ought to be up and more energetic than ever because Jesus is coming. Arouse and shake off sleep and apply with vigilance and vigor to all the duties of our Christian life. For that eternal salvation, which is the object of our Christian faith and hope and the greatest motive of our religion is every day nearer to us than when we first entered into the profession of Christianity. Adam Clark said that. Amen. We're getting closer and closer. J.B. Phillips says this, Salvation in the New Testament is in three tenses. It's viewed as to the past salvation, as a being freed or salvation from the penalty of sin. Well, salvation is also in the present where it's being saved from the power of sin, that we can walk free from the power of sin. But salvation is also in the future because in, those, in the future there will be salvation from the very presence of sin. Because we'll be out of the world system. But for these truths to become realities in our life, 
we must revisit our commitment as in the early days. Amen. That we set our expectations to being stirred up as we hear the word of God. That we set our faith that comes by hearing, meditating, and muttering the word of God. Not sitting here, oh, I heard the word. No, you need to take what you heard. You need to meditate on it, ponder it, and get it in you. So revelation can come alive on the inside of you. Because without revelation, you haven't heard. It's not hearing with these ears. It's hearing with the ears of your spirit. Being stirred up and pressing in for life in the word of God. Pressing in for faith from the word of God. And pressing in for revelation from the word of God. How did you get saved? You declared what? That Jesus is Lord. You declared him to be raised from the dead. You said, I believe in Jesus. When I was that tall and I sat in that church and I looked up at that cross and I said, oh, Jesus, did I believe? There's a lot of people that say Jesus, but they don't believe. Because you can't believe without a revelation. And revelation don't come unless you press in for it. You've got to meditate, mutter, ponder the word of God. I took that verse, when I first got saved, my son was about four years old and I got saved. And there was that verse that said, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. And I would read that and I go, how can that be? Okay, so I could, train up a, um, I could train up my son in the way he should go. But what's the guarantee that he won't depart? What is that guarantee? And I would say it over to myself. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart. And I think, I don't see how that can work. I can't be with him 24 hours a day. I can't make sure that he doesn't depart. What's the guarantee that he's not going to depart? And I'd say it over and over and over again. And it finally dawned on me. If I train him up, I'm not training him up with, well, this is the right thing and this is the wrong thing and this is how you treat people, although those things are important. But you train him up with the Word of God. So if I'm training him up with the Word of God, I'm putting the Word of God in him, then that means the Word will talk to him when he goes. The Word will keep him when he lays down. The Word will watch over him in the day. And therefore, the Word will keep him from departing. So I would do my part. I got an understanding. I do my part. I train him up in the word of God as I ought to. And God will watch over it and make sure that when he's old, he will not depart and wind up out in some loony place. Now, if I didn't get that revelation, I'd have spent my days worrying. Well, what about? Well, what about? Well, what about? Well, how's this going to happen? Well, how, you know, I don't know if we can do. Uh, can we really trust? You know, just all kinds of stuff. But thank God for a revelation. Who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. You got it, Peter. You got it. 
revelation. That's the rock that the church gets built on. The revelation of Jesus Christ. He is Lord, the son of the living God, raised from the dead, paid for our sin. That's the rock that builds the church. But then each individual has to build on that foundation. Well, you don't change the way you build anymore. You, change, you continue to build with revelation. Gold, silver, precious stones. Not works of the flesh, which is wood, hay, and straw. It doesn't, see, see, after you get saved, things don't change. After you get saved, things are exactly the same. What it took to get saved is what it takes to live in salvation. It took faith to attach to grace to get saved. It's the same faith that attaches to grace to live saved, to live in healing, to live in deliverance, to live in protection. Faith that attaches to grace. Grace wants to protect you, but without faith attaching to it, it's not going to work. Grace of God wants to heal you, but faith has to attach to it. The grace of God wants to meet all of our needs, but faith has to attach to it. And with faith comes actions. Faith without works is. So there's corresponding actions that goes along with what you believe. Show me your faith by your works, or show me your faith without the works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. I don't have to tell you what I believe, just watch me. Watch my life, you'll see what I believe. I don't have to try to convince, oh, this is what, ooh, I see that, I said that, see, I said that. We don't care what you said. It means nothing. Faith without works is dead, idle. Those are, in fact, when we say we believe something, but it's not what we live on, that's what Jesus called idle words. And those are the words you get judged for. Well, I'm going way down the road that I wasn't going to. But I think that all of this is coming out because we already know a lot of these things. And these things have to stir back up on the inside of us. We have to set expectations for being stirred up in our spirit rather than our head running the show and going, yeah, I know that, I've heard that already. That's your head running the show. You gotta be stirred up on the inside to receive from God. Amen, amen. And we need to bathe it in prayer. You've got to bathe these things in prayer. You've got to be declaring these things into your life. Bathing it in prayer. You need to bathe it in personal prayer. And we need to bathe it in corporate prayer. You know, every Tuesday is prayer. You know, Tuesday morning at 9.30 is some worship, some teaching, and then prayer time. And, you know, corporate prayer. Amen. Are you with me? Bathe it in prayer. Revisit our commitment to the Lord like we had in the early days. Revisit our commitment to grow in faith and develop in faith. Amen? And bathe those things in prayer. So let's just pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Whether you're in the room on live stream, on Podcast, let's just pray in the Holy Ghost. Prosete de Brese, Giava don Gianyara Bacayabate, Zobra San Gianyara Macayabate, Zobre Sote, Jovraba Cayaba Dorobe, 
Ovra vakaya vadonya ramakaya vadanya ravakaya madanya revezi. Leveze shia vadonya ramakaya vadoro vakaya vade. Ovra mambahaya madoro vakadiono vazia vadoro vakaya vade. Zevreveze shebete nevesie levezia vado. Ora makaya vado roba kuyama doro vazia vado jajanyara makaya vade. Serebezie vedoro vazanjanyara makaya vado roba kaya vade. Roba kaya vadanyara makaya vade jenyere vezie vedanyere vezia vado roba kuryama kuremaki. Evrose jiavotan janyaramakaya vado. Obramahayama dorovaka janyaramakaya vada janose abadanyaramakaya vado. Lore mezieve dorovakuyama dorovakayama danyaramakaya vade. Sere, seshe, beten, bele, kote, janno, toroma, kayabatore. Remahayama doroma. Rabakaya vado, rabakaya vado, rabakaya vade, genevesi abate. Oh, rabakaya vado, rabakai. Elevesi abate, elevesi abate. Let's say this together. I'm setting myself, committing myself to revisit the commitment I had like when I was first saved. I'm setting myself and committing myself to grow in faith, to step into faith, to develop more in faith, to be hungry for faith as I was in the beginning. I'm setting myself. I'm committing myself to know God more, to increase in my relationship with Him, increase in fellowship with Him, that I would know him and count all things as loss. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you listen to these things on live stream this year, you listen to them on the flash drive, recording, whatever it might be, whether it be any service, Sunday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday night, whatever service it might be, listen to it, and then pray in the Holy Ghost afterwards. Set yourself before you even listen to it to take hold of it in your heart. Focus, pay attention, give yourself to what's being taught by the Holy Ghost that you would receive into your heart what you need. What you need may not be what somebody else needs, but the Holy Spirit knows what each one of us needs, so therefore he can meet all those needs if we'll give ourselves to him. Amen? Father, we thank you. We bless you and praise you, Father. Thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you're more than enough in all situations, that we can always look to you that our hope is set on you, our trust is set in you. Thank you, Lord God, that you're more, more, more than enough. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word this evening. We receive it with joy and gladness. And we take hold of these things in our heart, that they will grow and that it will produce fruit in me and through me. Thank you, Father. 
As I come before you with my giving, I do so by faith in your word that you said there's one that gives and yet increases all the more. So I declare according to your word, I am that one that gives and therefore I am that one that will increase all the more because you said it and I agree with you and I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you joined us on live stream or podcast, thanks so much for being with us today. I do pray that the word of God has touched you, affected you, brought increase into your thinking and into your believing. And I do pray that you, just like we, made that statement of commitment today that we are willing to press in because we want 2024 to be better than 2023. And it can only be better by we take hold of the word of God in our life. Amen. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. And I thank in advance for any seed that you sow. And if there's anything at all that we can stand in prayer with you about, please let us know. It's always an honor to stand with our partners and believe God for your needs to be met. Amen.